Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 948 of the Juicebox podcast. Erica Forsyth is here today, and we're going to talk about rebellion. And we're not talking about Luke Skywalker and his friends. We're talking about that very human reaction that we all have from time to time. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. You can visit Eric at ericaforsyth.com. Erica sees patients virtually from Oregon, Utah, Florida, and California, and she sees patients in person in California. Are you looking to save 35% off of your comfies, your towels, your sheets, your joggers? CozyEarth.com. Use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. Want to start every morning with a delicious sip of AG1? You can. That's what I do. You can do it too. DrinkAG1.com. Get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order at my link. If you want to hear more episodes with Erica, go to juiceboxpodcast.com up to the top, click on mental wellness, you'll see a whole list. This episode of the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored by US Med. Go to usmed.com forward slash juicebox or call 888-721-1514 to get your free benefits check today. Get your diabetes supplies the same way that Arden does from US Med, usmed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514. The podcast is also sponsored today by the Omnipod 5, omnipod.com forward slash juice box. You looking for the Omnipod 5? That's where you're going to find it. You want the Omnipod Dash? It's there too. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. You can use the same insulin pump as Arden, the Omnipod. There are links to US Med, Omnipod, and all the sponsors in the show notes of the audio app you're listening in right now and at juiceboxpodcast.com, or you can just type them into a browser. When you use my links, you're supporting the show. It's fun. Okay. So, all right, we are recording. Erica, we are back together again. Hello. Hi. To go through my list of things that I call Erica. (laughs) (laughs) In my my notes app. I know people are going to be like, oh, my God, Scott does write some things down. Um, And I have like a long list of things that I want to talk to you about. So every time I see you come up on the calendar, you send me a text and you're like, what are we going to talk about? And then I go look at the list and I read through Mm -hmm. and I wait something, wait for something to grab me. So what grabbed me this time was rebellion as a human decision. So that is a thing that one day I just opened up my notes app, looked for the word Erica and wrote it down because I think I'm just, I don't know, I'm baffled by it on some level. My first conscious thought about it was as a young person, I was watching Jerry Springer. (laughs) (laughs) And there was like this 15-year-old girl going through this thing. And it's a thing that happens to people all the time. And I thought like, at what point do you not see the last episode and go, oh, I'll avoid this, right? Like, why can't we avoid things that we know 
or are obviously bad for us. And then that thought trans kind of transferred in my head into why, you know, I mean, like when you're a young person, it is clear to you, no one cares about you as much as your parents, even people with crappy parents, like these are the people, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And yet there's a rebellion for that. And there's a rebellion at work and people don't like to be told what to do. And I'm, I'm one of those people to some degree. Like if you tell me what to do, I'm like, hmm, yeah, I'll probably be doing something different than that. And, you know, and there's no reason for that. You see it in diabetes. Some people mm-hmm. are easily, they go to their doctor, their doctor tells them something, and they follow them lockstep. You know what I mean? Like sheep mm-hmm. almost to the to their detriment. And then there are other people who, as soon as it's said to them, they're like, well, I'm not being told what to do. So is it, I mean, and it happens in in society as well, right? Like, and I'm not even saying that I want everybody to do the same thing or I wish everybody acted right. Like, I don't, I, I don't feel like that. I'm just interested about the human psychology of rebellion. And I was wondering what you had to say about it. I think there are, yes, as you said, all sorts of reasons why, and maybe some of them are conscious, some of them are unconscious, why a person, you know, chooses to rebel and i think it depends on the you know the age and stage that we're talking about mm-hmm. uh, i think they're just to to list maybe a few of the reasons um you don't really care how your decision affects others and that might look like rebellion to the on the outside okay. right but your your instinct is i'm going to do it this way or my way mm-hmm. um and you don't really care if it, what that looks like, or you don't want to conform to society's expectations. Um, I think that might be perceived from the outside as someone being selfish or immature. Um, and then the person who's making that choice might feel like, well, I'm just not going to conform to these traditional ways. Right. Um, I think rebellion could also maybe look like um, depression sometimes. Like there might be a fear of doing something that your parents or your professionals might be advising you to do. And for whatever reason, whether it is depression or another, you know, mental health challenge, I think there's often fear involved of taking risk. And that also might look like you're rebelling when you just actually can't you feel, or you feel like you can't okay. do what you're being asked to do. It's, it's just, uh, yeah. It's just so interesting that, it, that it seems to be like step one for most people in every in it, like you're presented with something and right away it's no, like no I'm not doing that you can't make me do that like but 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 there and I get that if you've I mean if you've been through a situation where somebody has controlled you or something I I would obviously see that but like with a young person like like an eight-year-old who's just their whole life been like what you say one, you say blue, I say red, that's it. Like, right. Like, and, and I get the idea, like online, it talks about um, it. This here says um, this theory. uh, What is it? The urge to rebel describes the unpleasant feeling that emerges when people experience a threat to their free behavior. Like, so is that like innate? Like, like you I mean, some, yeah, some people feel like it is an innate experience and some people might describe it more as, um, curiosity, right? Like you're as a child, you, when you're kind of that early, 
elementary years or even in preschool years, you know, they, why, why not? Why do I have to do this? And that can feel like just, just, you know, wash your hands after you use the bathroom. Why? Is that Um, learning? Do you think when they're younger? I think it's learning, but, and there's this curiosity of wanting to understand, um, is it a, do they internalize it as a threat to their freedom? I'm not sure they're there yet as a, as a young child. Um, yeah, I'd say partially learning and just curious, wanting to understand why do I have to do these things that are expected of me? Yeah. And I guess also like setting, like you're testing boundaries too. But yes. what's the value of testing a boundary? Do you see what I mean by that? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like I mean, I, looking back, may have pushed my parents. Uh, so, like, and so you want to see, like, how far until this breaks. But why? Why do I care? And people do that in, in personal relationships, too, uh-huh. right? Like, you see, a, like, a, like, a personal treat of a spouse or, a, you know, a, somebody they're dating almost, like, poorly, to see, mm-hmm. like, do you really love me? Like, how much of this will you take? And that I even understand maybe better than, like, with a little kid. Like, I guess a little kid's where it throws me off. Like, where does that come from before you've even seen the world? You know? I think the you're exposed to new things and the way our brain is, I think, just the way our brain develops is maybe some kids... I mean, some people might say it's it's um, birth order too. <laughs> Firstborns mm-hmm. often may just do what they're told um, because of either attachment or because they want to, you know, um, make their parents proud. They want to abide by all the rules. You might see children who are middle or later born mm-hmm. um, maybe more resistant and want to, um, you know, quote, be more independent, but actually it's not necessarily true independence quite yet. But that's what we often say when our children are like strong-willed and doing what they want. They say, oh, you're really independent, but it actually really, that isn't true independence quite yet. Do do you you believe in that, the birth order thing? I think, I mean, I think it can play out quite um, frequently to be true with those stereotypes. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a um, set in stone Mm -hmm. Um, prognosis of right. how you act in life, but I think it it does it it does play out pretty frequently that way. Okay, I always thought of that as the level of energy the parent has as they have more and more kids, <laughs> right? Like you're like you know you have one kid and you're like up their ass, <laughs> like, like oh my god, like don't fall, don't touch this, don't get dirty, like you know. By the time you have a second kid and they drop a pacifier on the floor, you're licking it off to give it back Absolutely. to them, right? Like the first time it goes right. The first kid, you drop it on the floor and you're like, well, we'll have to soak that in bleach and then hit it with. Yeah, yeah, boil it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll hit it with some radium and then we'll boil it, bury it in the ground for a thousand years and bring it back up and see if the kid can use it. And literally by the second kid, you're just like, here you go. You're, you're yeah, licking it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'll get the dirt off in my mouth and then just give it to you with my spit on it. Uh, and then by the time you get to the third or the fourth kid, you're just like, I don't care. Like, like just, just, I mean, try not to die. But I mean, even if you do, I got five kids. <laughs> like, like it's just, you know, it, and I always thought of it that way. And then I thought of the response back from the kid because you'll hear, I mean, you must hear in therapy all the time, right? Like, People's experiences with their parents have to change too by where they are in the pecking order. I would yes. think of age. And then there, I mean, this is a little off topic a little, but 
<laughs> be honest. Like people have favorite kids, right? <laughs> Do you? No, I don't, obviously. Ah, but, okay. <laughs> but um but it must happen, right? I think sometimes I hear families describe children as maybe um, you know, easier or this one is our strong-willed one or this one is our um more patient one. Mm-hmm. Um and so I, I don't necessarily hear parents say this is my favorite, but sometimes adjectives that are used to describe might reflect their experience of their child, which may, which may be true. <laughs> if I turn my head to this whiteboard that I use to keep uh-huh. the podcast uh, semi-coordinated, I will read the words, Arden is my favorite child, written by Arden three days after she got home from college. And <laughs> I've had both my kids stand in front of me and go, seriously, one of us, you like one of us better, right? And I'm like, No. But they want to know, they really want that answer. And mm-hmm. and I've seen in my wife's family, it's a running joke because, well, for reasons maybe, so my wife's grandmother was not a healthy person in a number of different ways. Um, and um, she would pull the kids aside when they were doing favorable things and get very close to them and tell them, you're my favorite. But then you'd fall out of favor and she'd go to the next one and tell them you're my favorite. Mm. And they actually, like, they joke about it, but I don't think they're joking. I think they wonder which one of them's the best. Like, she set up a race between them, almost on purpose. Like, see who Uh can be grandmom's favorite. Uh And I don't know what that's got to do with testing boundaries or being rebellious, but (laughs) but we got to that point. But did Um, it it work? Did it, um, you know, get positive results out of their behaviors i don't know <laughs> i don't yeah i don't either she was a, she was a drunk i don't think she was keeping notes uh so <laughs> oh, um okay but but so okay like digging back into this again i'm at work my boss tells me to do something and that first visceral feeling inside of me is you can't tell me what to do what the hell is that from gosh i I would want to explore, you know, childhood parent parent child dynamics. I would want to understand, um, you know, how did you? What is your sense of autonomy and agency? Um, is it a control? Do you feel like you don't want to be controlled? Mm-hmm. And and by and that feel that it's triggering something that maybe maybe you were a victim of, you know, really harsh things as a child. Um, and so that could be triggering as an adult to when someone says you're going to do this, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe you're you're wanting to fight back internally. And so you're saying to yourself, I'm not going to do that. You can't tell me what to do. I'm going to do it this way. Um, and so you're, you're, you, if it maybe feels easier in the moment to have that narrative play out and choose what you want to do. But knowing that there might be some other consequences, but I would imagine that that it's it's a result of some kind of learned behavior as a way to cope, um, as a maybe whatever whatever happened as a child that could be painful. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just it, it is really it's fascinating. It, it's and there are some people who are like pleasers, right? You, you can't ask them enough; they'd be happy to do it. They throw themselves off a bridge if you told them, and you, you know, like, and that's got to be the same, the same sort of thing in reverse, right? Because you know, you just said you just used the phrase, "You're going to do it whether you want to or not." I have to tell you, I know that's been said to me before, <laughs> as a, as a child. Like I know, mm. and I thought, what a terrible thing to say to a kid. 
And then I thought, but I mean, I am a reasonable adult. I work hard. I take care of myself. I'm reasonably mentally stable. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it, it did work. Right. And I was like a rebellious person as a young child. I always assumed I was being rebellious. Like, as you know, like I'm adopted and I never mm -hmm. felt, mm, I don't know the best way to say this. I think like just keeping it kind of clinical is the best way. I think my IQ is about 40 points higher than the people who, who adopted me. So nothing that they thought of as like an answer to a question never made sense to me. And then I would say, well, what about this? Or can we try that? And then that didn't make sense to them. And now we're stuck because I feel like I'm doing the right thing and they feel like they're doing the right thing, but they're paying the bills. So it's, you're going to do this whether you want to or not. And, you know, I mean, to some short degree, I told you that story about my dad kind of like kicking me to the ground one time. I, mm -hmm. I think that was that. Like he was just, I think he was outmatched and he didn't, he couldn't get me to stop saying what I was saying. So he was going to try to stop me that way. Um, mm -hmm. And all that did was make me more resilient and defiant, whereas some people would have like just gone the opposite direction with that. And I would understand both, like just, com you know, capitulating. I would have understood that too. Let's face it, if you have diabetes or your child has diabetes, you're buying stuff. You're buying insulin pumps, glucose monitors, blood sugar meters, test strips, needles, insulin stuff, right? Well, you can get that stuff the way we do from US Med. US Med always provides 90 days worth of supplies and fast and free shipping. They carry everything from insulin pumps and diabetes testing supplies to the latest in CGMs. They accept Medicare nationwide and over 800 private insurers. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, why not try U.S. Med? Call 888-721-1514 or go to my link, usmed.com forward slash juicebox. Go to the link or call the number and ask for a free benefits check. Get started today with U.S. Med. Get yourself some white glove treatment. Now, U.S. Med carries, like I said, the latest stuff. Dexcom G7, but you can get a G6. Libre 3, but you can get a Libre 2. They have Tandem T-Slim X2. They have Omnipod Dash. <gasps> Omnipod 5. What are you interested in? For me, I'm interested in getting the supplies the way they were ordered. I'm interested in simple reordering. I'm interested in good customer service. I'm getting that from US Med. USMed.com forward slash juicebox. One example. Arden's at college, and uh, it's time for a Dexcom reorder. But I realize that it's going to show up at the house, but we need it to be at school, 700 miles away. So I just call them on the phone. I go, hey, US Med. They're like, hey, what's up, Scott? They didn't really say it like that, but you know what I mean. And then I was like, uh, hey, kids at college, could you send this stuff to college instead? And they were like, this address here? And I said, yes. And they go, yeah, sure. And then it was done. USMed.com forward slash juice boxer call 888-721-1514. Now, one of the things you might get from US Med is an Omnipod 5. Are you not sure if you want one yet? Makes sense. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Head over now and find out all about it. You're going to learn about the Omnipod 5 tubeless automated insulin delivery system. Omnipod 5 is the first and only tubeless automated insulin delivery system to integrate with Dexcom G6. And it's available for people with type 1 diabetes, 
ages two years and older. It features Smart Adjust technology, and that pod, mm, 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 it delivers based on your customized target glucose, helping to protect against highs and lows, day and night. Just like the Omnipod Dash, Omnipod 5 includes a waterproof tubeless insulin pod that can be worn almost anywhere you give yourself an injection. Each pod eliminates the need for multiple daily injections, plus the automated insulin delivery and CGM integration help simplify life in so many ways. Head over there now to learn more. And if you're ready to check your coverage or even ask for a free trial, you can do all of that at my link, omnipod.com forward slash juice box. It's like one-stop shopping. Check it out. Arden has been wearing an Omnipod since she was four years old and she's about to be 19. That's a long time to be wearing an Omnipod, but it should tell you something. We love it and it works omnipod.com forward slash juice box links in the show notes links at juiceboxpodcast.com to us med omnipod and all the sponsors and don't forget about ericaforsyth.com What is the motivation? What's the underlying emotion that and, and thinking that's driving that behavior? Could it be, I mean, thinking about just with the with diabetes and you know, either preteens, teens, or any any age really not wanting to follow, you know, the, the instructions of your doctor or your parent to manage your diabetes. And then people will say, Well, my child's rebelling and doesn't want to manage their their diabetes the way they need to. So often is that is that because of their age and stage and they're being teenagers and rebelling or is it more um anger and that's the way they feel like they can control a situation where they feel like they're out of control mm -hmm. and so they don't want to have to do to pre-bolus because they're angry at the diabetes but then it looks like rebellion but underneath it is sadness anger frustration feeling um out of control yeah um so understanding, I think, at face value, we we look at behavior and say, oh, that kid's or that adult's just being rebellious and being kind of a jerk or being really selfish and immature. But really, there's always typically something underneath that that's driving the behavior. So the path is, you know, a kid's first word is probably going to be no, right? Mm -hmm. Tell a kid not to take off a seatbelt, they take it off. It's my expectation is it's the way you handled as an adult you know, of that child that probably dictates how they experience those rebellious moments at all stages of their life up into their adulthood. Like, so you have an opportunity to meet that with uh, loving acceptance, you know what I mean? Like, and saying, hey, I realize you don't want to put that on, but we wear it because it's makes you safe in the car or, you know, or something like that, or we exercise because of this, or we eat this way because of that. And so you can't, it feels to me like what you're telling me is that when it's, when it's happening, you don't quell the rebellion. Like that's not the positive way out of this. It's just going to create stronger and stronger and stronger rebellions as you get older. Does that make sense? 
But yes, potentially. Um, but I know that there are moments when you just you need to get from point A to point B. So using the seatbelt example, you're like, just put the seatbelt on, right? Like you just, yeah. Um, you don't always have time to say, well, I understand you might be feeling frustrated and you want to make your own choices as a young person. You know, it's hard to understand. <laughs> Realistically, it's hard to check in with the emotion. Yeah. Um, but you can you can always do that later too. I think there's we you know, as, as parents, myself included, we often forget that we can do repair work at any time. Mm-hmm. So we can say, okay, put, you're putting the seatbelt on right now. Cause it's the law and I'm telling you to, and we're going to this thing. And then later have a conversation, no matter what age to say, tell me about that. Like that time when you didn't want to put your seatbelt on, like, help me, you know, what, what, how can we help this process next time? I can't believe I'm going to say this to you, but go deeper on that. Help me more. So I'm 17 years old and I'm doing something that just seems shitty, but the truth is, is that I'm just probably rebelling and trying to find some control in my life that I don't Mm -hmm. have. And Mm -hmm. that you think is, I almost said reversible, but around diabetes, I don't like that word. You think you can work out of that? I mean, I, yes, I I would hope so. Mm -hmm. It will take, it also matters, um, what is your current relationship like with your child? I mean, I think if you were, it was a highly conflictual, combative, non-compassionate, non-empathetic relationship. It'd be hard to start right in at that moment. Mm. Um, but that can be built over time, even if you are starting as you're noticing your teen become more rebellious and make choices that you feel like are risky and unsafe, which is also, again, part of their adolescence and what they're going to do naturally. So I think it's finding in that moment, understanding and validating. I understand this is you wanting to, you know, explore and take risks and see what you're comfortable with. Um, how can we find a middle ground? Um, if it's the, the diabetes example, I think going into the emotion when they're not wanting to change their, do a site change or, you know, I use pre-bowls cause that's a, a frequent topic. Um, what, so tell me, what is that about? Like, t- what is, is it, um, is it fear? Is it sadness? Is it embarrassment? Oftentimes it's just, you know, the teen wanting to be like their, their peers. Yeah. They don't want to have to pause. They don't want to have to think about it. Um, so gosh, that must be really frustrating in those moments when you just want to keep going and keep going with your friends and keep eating and keep doing the next thing. You don't want that your life to be interfered with in that moment. Right. And so it looks like you're you're wanting to rebel, but I know you you don't want to rebel. You want to take care of yourself. Yeah. I want to, I'm going to turn this all right on to diabetes in a minute, but I know I've said this I think in the past to you, but when we were teenagers, we dated the Catholic school girls because they were more fun. But uh-huh. they were more fun because they were being repressed more. Like that. Uh, was, yes, we like, have talked about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Like, you know, you say the same thing to a girl in public school who had a lot of autonomy over her life, and she'd be like, get away from me. And like, you know, and I'm like, oh, all right, okay. Um, but then you go find somebody who's being restrained somehow, and they have a desire to just do whatever the opposite of that is. And, you know, um, what else did you see? Oh, what did I notice? Uh, girls with long hair cut their hair short when they graduated from high school. Uh-huh. Girls with short hair grew their hair long. People were smoking who you knew didn't like smoking. Like they weren't interested in it. They didn't like it, but there they were. They were like, I'm going to smoke mm-hmm. like cigarettes. I'm going to date boys. I'm not supposed to. I'm going to like, uh, seriously, like always the worst boys. Like, like we joke about it growing up. 
And your your guys will say to each other, like, just be meaner and they'll want to go out with you. <laughs> like, and I know that's not real, but it feels real because they're because their parents are probably like, look, meet a nice guy or meet a nice girl. And they're like, well, I'm gonna go do the opposite of I have like purposefully counter-programmed things I've said to my kids over the years. Like, I'm like, if I say that, it's definitely gonna go the other way. So, mm-hmm. you know, but but, but then it leads me into this thought, this thing I think about all the time. When we were taking Cole to college for the first time, we were in some like parental seminar and um, somebody raises their hand and just says like, uh, I, I don't want my kid to have access to alcohol. And the, the woman at the front of the room was like, <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> and, and so, um, <laughs> and, and she's like, we, they're adults. We can't stop that. Which obviously was like the legal answer for the school about how they stay out of it. Like, hey, kids are 18. If they want to break the law, they can. It's not up to you. We don't have to tell you they're doing it, et cetera. And then the conversation moved on. And she's like, but don't worry. She's like, our research says it's only like 50-50. And like, like half of the kids will never drink while they're here. And half of them will. And because I'm not a drinker, I thought, oh, okay, well, my kids probably won't drink then. And that kind of worked out. Like, Cole doesn't enjoy drinking, and I don't think that he didn't try. But he was like, I'm right. I don't like this. But he also didn't have a ton to rebel against. Mm-hmm. And so, but some, but the kids that I'm thinking of who looked like they were really had the screws turned on them by their parents. Like, you could kind of tell. They mm-hmm. were the ones that went the wildest at college. And so... But what are you doing that for? To prove it to yourself? To prove it to someone else? Is it because the feeling is just that free feeling feels good? You know what I mean? I don't know that I there's think, an answer to yes. that, But this is what I wonder. I think it's... so. Those maybe the those types of people that you were just talking about, mm-hmm. they're I think they're trying to show like, okay, I'm going into college and now it's my turn and my time to be independent. I can make all of these decisions that my parents have said no to, and they've, you know, all of, uh, I'm gonna go live my life. Um, and really they think that they're being um independent, but they're they're actually still dependent on their, they're trying to make their self deficient, their definition, their personal conduct, their value on doing the opposite of what other people want. So they're still, they're still dependent well, they're, on. They're just being controlled by a different God at that point. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So instead yeah. of your mommy telling you what to do, now drinking culture is telling you what to do. Or. I'm dating a guy I don't even like because my mom doesn't like him or a girl, et cetera. Like, like that. That really does okay. That makes sense to me. So you're never all right, Eric. Are you telling me we're never really free? <laughs> but there's ways to feel free. Oh my gosh! Why no? No. I think I, like I think the <laughs> the I think the mentality of someone going to college and saying, I'm going to make all these choices that I wasn't allowed to make, or I was told I couldn't. Um, and I would have all these consequences if I did. Now I have the freedom to go do what I want to do. You're yet, yeah, you're still relying, you're depending on doing the opposite of what other people want, which still is controlling you, but that's just like the next stage. So maybe the people who are going to college who aren't making those choices 
as rebellion, but they're free. Like, let's say, you know, Cole, like you were sharing, um, he didn't enter into college with this negative or kind of controlled parenting lifestyle that you had, right? Mm -hmm. So he felt like, I I can, I'll try it, but it's not, I don't really care either way. I'll just see if I like it or not. Yeah. Um, It wasn't because dad told me not to, or he told me whatever, go, go for it. You probably modeled a very neutral position. If I told you the things I told my kid before I went to college, I said, (laughs) I said, listen, there's only a couple of things in this life you can't do. And he, and he's like, okay. And I was like, they're Mm -hmm. like the, I said, they're the unfuckable things. And he goes, what? I'm like, they're the things that once you fuck them up, you can't unfuck them. (laughs) And, and, And he was like, all right. And I said, don't kill somebody. Don't do it with a car. Don't do it with your hands. You can't get out of that. I was like, don't get a lady pregnant. You can't get out of that. And I was like, uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then everything else, with some talking and an attorney, I'm sure we could turn around. I was like, but I was like, those two things, like, and and I said, look, forget those two things. You you don't do something you can't you can't apologize for or reverse or fix or anything like that. I'm like things that are are just. And I said it again. I'm like, they're unfuckable. And I didn't mean that as like, obviously, it seems like a bad pun, but I wasn't saying it to him like right. that at the time. Like, right. I really was just like, there are just some things you can't you can't go back in time for. And I was like, mm-hmm. and those are the things you want to avoid. Mm-hmm. And and I said, you know, be careful driving your car. And, you know, don't. That's the kind of stuff, man. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, I said, somebody at that school is going to, like, you guys are all going to come in and a couple of those kids aren't going to leave. Like they're, they're going to die there. I was like one or two statistically aren't making it out. And it's going to be some stupid story about them falling off a balcony or getting hit by a car crossing the street. I'm like, that's the thing. You don't want to get hit by the car and you don't want to be the car hitting them. I was like those things. I said, because you'll never, even if it's an accident, you're never going to forget that you took someone's life. Like I was like, that's a thing mm-hmm. you can't, you can't mm-hmm. get back from. Like you just mm-hmm. can't get back. It's the same thing of, like, I hate to say, but like, if you have a, a child die, I mean, uh, go to therapy, do whatever you're going to do. I don't know how you're getting out of that. You know what I mean? Like uh, ketamine, maybe, or I don't know, mushrooms. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, but I don't know how you're going to forget that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, just, you need to avoid those things that are going to do that. And he, you know, he took me seriously and, and he left. I told my daughter the same thing. I was like, I'm like, you have a couple extras. I'm like, you're a girl. I was like, you know, I hate to say it like that. I was like, but you got to be careful, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and mm-hmm. inside of six months, she's like, dad, I was walking down the street and like three homeless guys were really aggressively yelling at me. And I was like, okay. And I thought, oh, wow. I never thought about that once when Cole went to school. Cause Cole, mm-hmm. Cole could have turned around and like took care of himself. You know what I mean? And, or like, I, I don't know, even if he couldn't have it, like I have that feeling in my head of like, maybe he could fight his way out of a problem, you know? I'm not yeah. saying Arden wouldn't fight. Actually, Arden told me later, she's like, I think me and my one roommate, she goes, I think we could take down one guy together. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> she's like, we appear to have that kind of anger. And I was like, all right. Um, but just that that whole feeling of, um, I don't know, but like, did I run the risk of my son going like, well, I'm going to do the exact opposite of what that guy just said? I did, but I thought I had him set up well enough that that wouldn't be the response. But you know... If I was a bad parent for 18 years and on his way out the door, I went, don't get anyone pregnant. 
probably would have. You, you know what I mean? Like he probably would have been un- not careful with his mm-hmm. with his dating choices. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does all of this? I think it's obvious that I brought this up because I've interviewed about a thousand people, and I'm either talking to a parent whose child is rebelling or a parent who is worried that they're going to do something that causes a rebellion. Or I've talked Mm -hmm. to a teenager who says, you know, you know, some kids go off to college and drink their face off. I went off to college and stopped giving myself insulin. Like that Mm -hmm. was their collegiate rebellion. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they either are lucky enough to see the error of their ways and go back. Or some of them end up on here, 40 years old talking about, I can't see out of my left eye and like blah, blah, blah. And so it's a big concern around diabetes because Mm -hmm. I think the picture I tried to, and you helped me paint, is that this is going to happen no matter what. It's a human condition. Yes. And how do we keep it from impacting like our long-term health? Like that to me is the real question Mm -hmm. once your kid has diabetes or even once you do. Like, I mean, honestly, if I... If I just developed diabetes today, I've told you enough stories. Like I, I might rebel against it. Like I don't think I would right now, but who knows where I would point that at? I'm probably still mad about all that stuff. So I mean, the other day in traffic, someone did try to hit me, and um, my daughter was like, "Hey, hold all that Philly in, could you?" And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> she's like, "We don't, li- you don't live there anymore." And I was like, "This guy doesn't know who he's messing with." And, I, and she's like, "She's like, you're 50," and I was like, "Yeah." I'm like, "But." Not to get too far down the track, I, I said to her, I'm like, you, <laughs> you, you you, can't mess with people. You don't know what they've been through. Like, like, like you, you, I always tell my kids, I'm like, you, you can't mess with somebody who's willing to go farther than you. Because once mm-hmm. you're in it, like Erica, once it's happening and you're standing on the side of the road, one of you is going to kill the other one. And like, and one of you is willing to do it and you don't know who they are and they never look like that person in the moment. And I have to mm-hmm. tell you that somewhere deep down inside of me, I might be that guy. <laughs> like, like <laughs> if we get out and we start going, I might not know when to stop at some point. And I don't look like that person. And so that's how I teach my kids. I'm like, you don't know who it's mm-hmm. going to be, who you're going to unleash something from. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So anyway, again, mm-hmm. not about rebellion, but probably at the same time, yes, about rebellion. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so... So from your perspective, if a, if a parent came to you and said, my concern here is that when this rebellious nature comes, they're going to turn it on their diabetes, what would you say to them? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, or unless it's, if it already has started. Right, either. I th- Yeah, I think if I'm speaking with the parent, um, again, I would go back to the what is your relationship like with your child? What are your, um, how are you building trust? How are you building um, communicate connection? What is your communication style like? Understanding, um, is it um, kind of, I mean, you are the parent, so it is going to be top down in terms of, you know, boundary setting, rules, discipline. But in the, the parent-child diabetes relationship, it has to be special and it has to be safe and sacred. Um, and I think the rebel, you know, the, the fear of a parent having fear of your child rebelling using diabetes. Um, it's, it's always most likely something it's under what, how do you feel? I'd want, I'd say, okay, parent, 
check in with your child, ask them, how are you feeling about diabetes? What is it? What, how was your day like today with diabetes? What are your, um, if you could write a letter (laughs) or if you could talk to diabetes, what would it be? And oftentimes the teens are going to be angry at their parents about why are you telling me to pre-bolus? Really you're angry. They're angry at the, like the fact that they even have to. Sure pre-bolus. And I know it's obvious, but I think in the moment after day, after day, after day of trying to manage it, we forget, we forget that the chronic illness is going to always be connected to some sort of emotion, whether it's um, kind of flippant, like, ah, it's fine. It's kind of on the back burner. We're doing fine to uh, sight change day. And your, and your child is dreading it all day long. Mm-hmm. And maybe they've had a bad day and they're irri- they're irritable. They've gotten to a fight with their teacher or their friends because really in the back of their mind, they're like, I have to change my pump today. I have to change my CGM. And we think as parents or caregivers, that's like such a small thing. It takes five minutes. Yeah. But it can be sitting there in the back of their mind for the until maybe you change it and three days later, they're already anticipating the next thing. Mm-hmm. So these smaller things obviously can add up. So... Sorry, going to back to what can you tell the parent um, who's concerned about the rebellion that is either creeping up or already happening um, would be to, you know, set the diabetes aside as much as you can connect emotionally with your child. And if you don't know how to do that, you know, get get help in how to do that um, and, and check in with them. They're and if they are resistant to talking, that's that's okay too. And you know, giving them the time and space. Sorry, I'm no, no, no. The time and space thing is like I keep. I don't want to lose my thought, which is, I imagine people listening would find it odd to hear me say, but there are moments where if Arden's having like a higher blood sugar, I I look at the whole day and the whole week, and I say this isn't worth it right now. Like I'd rather her blood sugar be 180 for a while than for her to see me come into her room or onto her FaceTime being like, hey, I'm here to remind you that you're not doing the thing you're supposed to be doing. Because that's mm-hmm. what it feels like, no matter how nicely you do it. Mm-hmm. And that's where the texts are like, I know, I got it. Like, that's what that means. It just means I don't want to think about this right now. Mm-hmm. And it's unfair because it's you know one of the few things that if you decide not to think about it, I mean, honestly, it's, I don't know if it's minute for minute, but you are taking back in seconds off your life with this decision you're making. But we all do that, right? Like, like somebody's going to make a decision. It's Friday. Somebody's going to make a decision tonight to have two big scotches and go away in their head. And they're probably going to lose 10 minutes off the back end of their life. It's a trade they've decided to make, right? Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. if we're talking about freedom and that freedom is the reason the 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 idea that freedom could be taken is the reason you rebel. I do. I believe that. Mm. And so if you start attaching that directly to the diabetes, it's going to go the wrong way. Like it, it just is like, because then that's going to be their self soothing is going to be not taking care of themselves. Erica smiled. Cause I used the, I, I think I used the therapy word just then. You did. You did. <laughs> She's like, this idiot's actually listening. And so, <laughs> Um, 
right? So they're going to make the re- the rebellion become, oh, I see. So the rebellion becomes their self-soothing, which sends them down the path, which makes you push back harder, which only strengthens it more. And that's why you haven't talked to your mom nicely since you were 19. Ta-da! Boom. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it took me 45 minutes. It took me 45 minutes. 39. I'm getting better. Okay. Um, okay. All right. That all makes sense. So the self, I mean, yeah, I think the self-soothing or that's your, your, or coping, right? Like you feel like in the moment, I don't want to take my insulin, inject bolus. If it's conscious, sometimes, you know, we all forget sometimes. Um, but if you're saying I'm out, I don't want to do this. I'm, I'm, don't want to face all of the emotion I have connected to this. And so I'm going to cope in the moment by choosing to ignore it, mm-hmm. um, by choosing not to do what I know I'm supposed to do. Because it feels it feels, it feels feels easier in the moment. It feels sure. better. I feel more free. I feel like I have more control. Um, and, uh, and we're not always thinking about, obviously, the future implications. It yeah. just, it's and, hard to. And then it'll become a pattern. And then you will really be in trouble. Like, uh, so a 180 blood sugar for two hours isn't going to kill you. But if you make 180 your norm because you've just like put up that wall and now there's no conversation to be had about it. And then eventually, I hate to tell you, your kid's going to get older and they're going to leave. And then wherever they are is where they're going to be when they get out. And then now you're just mm-hmm. blindly hoping that, you know, one of those things you've heard on the podcast to me, I was like, I met somebody and I wanted to be healthier or I decided I wanted to have a baby or mm-hmm. something like that. Unless one of those things happens... You'll just keep going, and the years and the months go by very, very quickly. You yes. you, you won't realize it. It, it. It'll happen so fast. And your body, of course, on the physiological side, adjusts to the higher blood sugar, so you don't notice it anymore as much, and there's just nothing pushing you towards, towards helping yourself at that point. And you do feel like you're helping yourself because, you mom, you can't tell me what to do. Oh, wow. Uh, Erica, being serious. Are we just really early on in in humanity? Like, this can't be, like, the level of... Do you know what I mean? Like, we're not that far away from cavemen, is what I'm saying. You mean, like, are, yeah, how evolved are we? <laughs> yeah, not that far, right? I mean, there's oh, got to be a big ceiling, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, gosh, we've been given, um, you know, freedom to make choices right as since we were born um and to are we are we far off from how far off are we from just saying you know screw it i'm gonna do what i want i think when that it pattern when that becomes a pattern um then you obviously have you've lost that space to make that show like oh i'm i'm making the choice to do what I want, right? Because mm-hmm. it's just become habit. Whereas initially you're you're maybe consciously making more of a choice of like, I'm going to do this other thing because that's what I want to do. And then it just becomes habit. But when, when you can pause and look what's underneath that, it's often even more <laughs> emotions such as shame or blame. And so thinking about the, the teen or, or the parent or the, or the adult living with type one, um, you have maybe habitually just said, ah, you know, I'm going to, I'll figure this out tomorrow. Yeah. Or, uh, I just keep forgetting. But, but you feel, you don't feel great underneath that. Yeah. I mean, this might seem like a right turn to people, but we're 
400 years away from the beginning of like the American frontier period, right? Where you would have like traded your daughter for a couple of goats at some mm-hmm. point, right? Like, I'm not kidding. Like, that's a couple of hundred years ago where we still in, in the early 1900s, like late 1800s, early 1900s, you could just have a dispute with somebody and just shoot them. And everybody would just go, well, yeah, you deserved it. And that was like the end of it. Like, so we're not that far removed from that. And now we're trying to have all these big thoughts. And some of us, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a fairly common sense person. I have a, a, a reasonable level of intelligence. And we just spent 39 minutes talking about something. And my brain went, oh, oh, yeah, I see it now. But I don't know that that means that 10 minutes from now, I can actually do this in my life. Like, Mm -hmm. on the fly while I'm living, it's not just going to happen, right? Like, I'm going to make this small incremental step that I hopefully passed on to my kid. He's going to make a small incremental step that he'll pass on to his kid. And 400 years from now, we won't be shooting each other in the streets anymore. Like, you know, commonplace. And so Mm -hmm. that's what I'm saying. Like, it's our... God, this is going to sound so like crunchy. I'm sorry. Um, like the, the the length of our time commiserate to the length of history. Like it's just we're just we really are a blip, and we're just moving things yeah. slowly, like very slowly. But in in this moment in time, we're all stuck with emotions and thoughts and ideas that we about understand about 25, percent and yet we're mm-hmm. trying. Everyone's trying to do the right thing, but we're not. Like we're, it almost feels like we're still going against our wiring. Does that make sense? Like, going against our wiring in terms of making the best decision. In terms of your, mm-hmm. Erica, let me just be honest. <laughs> I pulled out of the Walgreens parking lot the other day, and we were making a right turn into a, a red light. Like none of us were going anywhere, and a car was coming from my left. I did not cut him off. I didn't pull out quickly. He had plenty of time. He was speeding towards the red light. Then when I pulled out in front of him, he sped up. It was a, it was a mm-hmm. few, like, right, right. Mm-hmm. And then the part of me that grew up outside of Philadelphia with his dad yelling at him was like, yo, what are you doing? And like, now I'm looking at him in my rear view mirror, like, if I have to get out of the car and kill you, I guess this is where my life ends. Like suddenly this has become like important and I know it's not right. Mm-hmm. I know it's not important. I'm not really mad, but there's something that lights up inside of me. So he comes cr- like crashing up to the rear of my car very close. And I am now yelling at him through my rear view mirror. And it's not like, hey, what are you doing? It's like, I will kill you. And like, like, and like, and my daughter's now with me. I'm not that person, generally speaking. She's got her hand on my hand. She's like, hey, it's okay. It felt like I was the Hulk and she was Scarlett Johansson. And she was like, <laughs> she was like, it's okay, big guy. Like, like, and I'm and I'm like, I'm like, no, I, I'm sorry. I have to leave you and your brother and your mom because I have to go kill this guy in the street now for this affront, right? And obviously I, I get past that pretty quickly and I'm like, all right, I'm okay, thank you. And we keep <laughs> we keep moving up. And he is now gesturing to us. And it was not flattering gestures. Um, he wasn't saying, I love you with like the hand right, thing or anything right. like that. And she's like, just ignore him. And I was. I just ignored him. I was fine. She said, actually, just make a left here. Like, let's let him go and I'll go home. And I'm like, and we'll go home a different way. And I was like, you know what? Great idea. I get over into the left lane. I'm okay. I'm done. He drives by, 
gives us the finger, I pull right back out behind him. <laughs> and my and my daughter's like, what are we doing now? And I was like, I'm like, we're just going to intimidate him at this red light for a little bit. So he has to wonder if we're going to get out of the car and hit him with a bat. So he has to live in that space for two minutes before the light turns green and we go our Punishing. separate ways. I'm going to, I'm going to, and, and she goes, that's really what you're doing. And I'm like, yeah. And then I was like, oh my God, that is really what I'm doing. Like I'm sitting behind him hoping that he is worried that I'm going to hurt him. And then the light turned green and I made a left and he went straight and it was over. And I thought, yeah, like 150 years ago, I definitely would have shot you in the street. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. 100% I would have shot him if it was 1895. So, so on your like, wagon, yeah. Oh, for I'm just like I don't know for certain. I don't feel like I could take a life, but I put myself back 150 years, and I put myself in different situations, and I think maybe, you, you know, like so. We're not that far away from all this, and then we're having these big conversations, mm-hmm. and it's no wonder that everybody feels like, oh, I'm anxious, and I don't know what to do about it, or like, like we're just not, we're not there yet. Like I don't know another way to put that. Like we got more like. If this was a crock pot, like we got like eight more hours. You know what I mean? So <laughs> that's good. That's good. <laughs> our, our potato our potatoes are not soft yet, Erica, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so so anyway, so my point around all that is is that while people are trying to live that a better life in this time period and they feel like they're being met with so many you know, blockades and roadblocks mm-hmm. that they that, mm-hmm. that their brains don't feel capable of getting around. Well, that's happening to everyone. And some of us are trying to live with children who have type one or other, you know, uh, important issues to be dealt with, or we are type one ourselves. And we are trying to make better decisions when, you know, our better angels are telling us one thing and the way our brain works is like, like flick poo monkey, basically, you, you know, like it's, yeah. You know, and, I and I think sometimes the, the rebellion, even though, even actively while you're doing it, like, just even with your car example, you're doing it, then maybe there's a part of you like, why am I like you, you kind of look, sounded like you kind of went in and out of this, like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Why am I doing this? This is crazy, but not then I'm, I'm still, but I still want to do it. Oh yeah. Not a desire of mine. Yeah. But I grew yeah. up like that. Like yeah. I grew up, like I remember once I was on a back street with my father, I was maybe 15 or 16 and he was driving and no, I was learning to drive. I was 16. I was driving his car and he was next to me and we were driving home on a back street and a guy flew up on us and went right around us and took off. And I had not been driving very long. And my dad demanded that I catch that man's car. He was like, catch him. And I was like, what? And he's like, catch him, get in front of him and stop him. And I did that. And then my dad got out of the car, walked over to his car got him to roll his window down a little bit, leaned in, spoke to him for a minute, came back, got in the car and said, he'll never do that again. And I know my dad felt like he was policing the neighborhood he lived in. Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. he felt like that. And to this day, I believe in that. Like if someone doesn't do it, who's going to? Like that idea, stick, mm-hmm. stuck. it's stuck with me. And meanwhile, everything about the scenario was very scary and not yeah. something I wanted to do in, in any way, shape, or form. And mm-hmm. yesterday, the same thing. Like, I know it's the same exact thing. I didn't think of it till just now when we were talking. But, and by mm-hmm. the way, this is why everyone should probably go to therapy. Uh, but, um, 
<laughs> but I didn't realize that until we were talking about it. Like, that person had done something wrong. And it's my feeling that it's almost my job to make sure that they don't do it again, which mm-hmm. almost doesn't make, you know what, oddly makes a lot of sense and no sense all at the same time. Right, you know? right. So you, you want to make sure, yeah, it's just your anger and rage is justified because you're trying to right the wrong or, you know, reflect to him how he made a mistake. Yeah. And um, meanwhile, mm-hmm. I've done things in traffic as an example where I'm like, oh, like that was a mistake. I turned somewhere I shouldn't have or something like that. I immediately mm-hmm. am like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like I'm almost like out of the car going, like, oh, it's my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, like I, that was obviously me, you know, like, um, <laughs> and, but on that other end of it, like he was speeding towards a bunch of people stopping at a red light. I got in front of him and it lit something up in him. He did not want to be behind someone else. Mm-hmm. And then it, suddenly felt personal after that yes when obviously it's not and anyway fascinating was i rebelling against something i don't know to think about that a little more uh rebelling think- against maybe what you were you knew what was right and wrong i don't know i do have a strong but it, it sense felt of- right to you in the moment but yeah but i mean i joked a little earlier but like there is that feeling like that in the pursuit of what's right it's okay if i have to die in the street for it which yeah, is silly yeah. you know what i mean and the only thing that stops me like arden told me later she goes um now that i'm in the south i know i'm supposed to tell you all that she's in chicago but she's in going to college in the south she goes when i first got down there i thought oh my god these people really don't drive well and it was inf- she's like it was upsetting and she goes but i've let it all go and I said, why? She goes, A, I don't think they know. And she goes, B, I think they all have a gun. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and I was oh like, I was like, okay. She goes, so you know, I don't want to get shot. So I don't care. And I was like, wow, that's a good argument for everybody having a handgun. <laughs> like, calmed her right down. She's like, mm, I don't care what you do over there. Uh, anyway, Erica, this is a big problem, right? For people with diabetes and their kids? It is a challenge okay. for sure. And I think understanding part of it is normal, no matter how fabulous and connected you are with your teen or your teen is with you. Um, part of it's going to be natural and normal and to allow those moments to happen as much. I know it is so challenging, yeah. um, but then also trying to find those inroads in those moments that it is, it is more than the behavior that you're seeing on the outside, which you are, which looks like rebellion mm-hmm. um, and finding those moments and inroads to sit and, and talk and reflect and connect and emote. And however it, it might, and it might be 30 seconds. I think also we have these expectations sometimes that we're going to sit and have this long, you know, dialogue. Maybe it's a quick walk. It's a quick drive. Um, but c- validating your teen and their emotions around diabetes will go very far. And I know a lot of you guys do that and it's still not enough and it is challenging. Um, but to, to keep at it. Well, I appreciate keep- you doing this. This topic's been on my list for a while because I think I just wanted to say to people, don't let your monkey brains ruin your health if you can help it. Um, that's <laughs> pretty much pretty much my message. You got it in. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye. Erica is delightful and she resides at ericaforsyth.com. 
Omnipod is a sponsor of the podcast and specifically of this episode. Thank them by going to Omnipod.com forward slash juice box to get started today, to learn more, to get a free trial, or to check your coverage. And of course, usmed.com forward slash juice box. Get your free benefits check. Don't like the internet? Use the phone. 888-721-1514. Get your supplies the same way Arden does from US Med. I want to thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast.